Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. Woo! Here with you on a Tuesday morning. We are so glad that you have joined us at Super Talk Mississippi or wherever it is you're getting your podcast from. We appreciate everybody uh, tuning in, especially our great service men and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Churn and Spoon's going to be opening back up very, very soon, and that's good news for us. And, of course, if you're a – do we need to give them a nickname? Brewheads? What do we want to call them? What do we call fans of Strange Brew? I mean – Brewpies? I like Brewpies. You like that? That's that's a, that's actually a million dollars. That, that is a million dollars. <laughs> I'm just saying, if if there were stickers that said "I'm a broopie," I would put one on the back of my truck. People would buy. Shane, boo, boo, booby, I'm your white knight. Just got you a million dollar idea right there. I'm it pretty happened. close to the head broopie. I think you might be the top broopie. Head broopie in charge. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going with that. If you're a broopie, you've been hitting up Strange Brew this whole. Uh, pandemic season that we've been having well you know what we're talking about in terms of getting great service great quality products from uh, the drinks to the baked goods to even you know if you're buying in bulk you know and of course you can always go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.myshopify.com if you want to shop online hey if dad's a coffee lover there's no better gift if uh, a certain katie coleman is listening perhaps you should uh that, that's the way to go i'm just saying i'm just saying is all yeah you know I would absolutely take it. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, Katie, please do this. But I've also, I've often thought, like, I can't buy Katie a gift card. She can't buy me a gift card mm-hmm. because we share the same It's the same money. Pot. Yeah. Like, I have a gift card. It's called the debit card. Yeah, it's the same, it's it's the the same, same money. Thing. Yeah, it's the same money. Yeah, you should never never buy your wife or, or husband a gift card. Unless you don't share the same account, in yeah. which case I guess that would. Yeah, 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 that would be weird, but yeah. I think, I mean, a lot of people do that. Do I, that? I'm not one of them, okay. but. Well, whatever you do, make sure it includes Strange Brew uh, Coffee House. Speaking of Father's Day, don't let Dad continue to go out in that ratty maroon is all that matters shirt. If your dad is wearing a maroon is all that matters shirt, it is your job as his wife or his children to rectify the situation immediately. And you can do it by going to collegecornerstore.com, and you can save yourself some money. All you got to do is search for that gift card in the toolbar there, Get 30% off that purchase. So $100 worth of gift card is a $70 purchase. And you can buy Dad a nice, brand-new MSU polo to walk around in. Don't let him come to Davis Wade Stadium. Don't let him look at the new-look Mississippi State with 5,000-yard passers and six guys catching 50 balls. Don't let him do it in that maroon is all that matters shirt. Put him in a new shirt from collegecornerstore.com. Get Dad what he wants, some brand-new MSU merchandise. Our good friends over at uh, Advantage Business Systems want you to remind you, no matter what is going on with your business in these uncertain times, (laughs) they have an answer for you. If you're looking to upgrade the technology around your office, get new printers, get new computers, new document management software, new mailing and shipping ideas, 
Well, they've got the solutions for you. If you're looking to keep your employees at home, you want to keep everybody you know, away from the office right now, but they need devices, again, Advantage Business Systems has some answers for you. So why don't you give them a call and find out what 45 years worth of experience can do for you in these times. Give them a call today, 844-833-6245. I finally have it memorized. Or <laughs> go to absms.com. Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. So I'm afraid to say that I'm having so many computer issues, Joel. Joel, in the last week, my laptop has gone out on me. My desktop here at the Starville Studio has gone out. I'm using a loaner laptop here, which was giving me some issues. It was giving me some attitude earlier. Long story short, guys, if you didn't see it on Twitter, we got no crew and song. So, I, you know, I apologize. And I would not dare. Joel said, maybe we should just sing. I should just sing it. It's just not the same. Unless you're going to get over there like uh, Chet Atkins and Jerry Reed and pick on the guitar for me. <laughs> I don't think you can do it either, to be honest with you. You got a jug somewhere I could like blow in and <laughs> <laughs> go tingy, tingy, tingy on that triangle? No, we're just going to, we'll just crude in. That's all you're getting. Uh, the big news, we'll start with the uh, the transfer news. That's that's the bigger one to me. Tyrell Shavers makes it official. This is sort of, uh, here's, a, here's a pro tip for you guys. If you're uh, on Twitter and you follow Paul Jones or Steve Robertson, and they just retweet randomly somebody going in the transfer portal, that person's coming to Mississippi State. Or at least Mississippi <laughs> State is very much in the mix to get them. They know something. Because a couple, I guess it was last week, Paul just retweets Tyrell Shavers is in the transfer portal. Now, I knew who Tyrell Shavers was going back to my V Sporto days. I remember when he was being recruited and I was doing podcasts with those guys and they would talk about him. Talk about a guy who uh, never really had a chance at Alabama. Class of 2017 in Alabama. They signed four wide receivers. Tyrell Shavers, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jerry Judy. So three first-rounders in Tyrell Shavers. Before, you know, people are going to look at Shavers and say, oh, well, he didn't do anything in Alabama. He's behind three first-rounders there, and then the next year they signed Jalen Waddell, who's going to be a first-rounder as well. So the poor guy never had a chance. If he's a fifth-round pick from Mississippi State, he's the best receiver State's had in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just as simple as that. So Tyrell oh. Shavers, big kid, six foot six, uh, two hundred and fifteen pounder, transferring from Alabama. He was the number twelve overall receiver in the country, the number eighty eight player, regardless of position, uh, in his uh, his final uh, season in high school. Played at Alabama has he has two, he's a grad transfer, so immediately eligible, and has two years remaining on that. So he's sort of like the Joe Burrow thing. And that he's, he can play for two seasons after this transfer, Joel. You you. Full disclosure. Yes. We are re-recording this because we yes. we we finished before Shavers made his commitment, and I blame Joel for that. Yes, we finished literally about five minutes before said commitment was yeah. made. So we, we were we, almost certain it was about to being happen. Being the People's but. Podcast, we have decided to to re-record and and make it more official. But you made a really good point. You want to talk about how if this this and this happens. What did I say earlier? I've forgotten already. Okay, so I'll, I'll handle it. I'll handle it then. Uh, if full disclosure, my first recording was better than my Joel. Second. Joel has two small children and another one on the way, so that's fair. Uh, if Tyrell Shavers can live up to his recruiting hype, and if Malik Heath can do the same, and if Osiris Mitchell now needs to be your third best receiver, all of a sudden you're cooking at Mississippi State. Absolutely. You know, that's a lot of ifs. It's a lot of ifs, but I think those ifs are better than 
if Osiris Mitchell needs to catch 85 passes, and if Javante Payton or Austin Williams now needs to be your third best receiver, I like the, the first set of ifs better. I, I feel like there's a better opportunity there for Mississippi State. I, how can you not? You're increasing your number of options. You got a guy here that out of high school was considered by 24-7 – I know you've said this. You may have said it a minute ago. I know we said it in the first time, but was the 12th best wide receiver in the country um, in that 2017 class. You're you're bringing in a guy that has an incredibly high ceiling yeah. that's about to – you got to figure is going to be chomping at the friggin' bit to finally make an impact. Yeah. Because, I mean, you sit in Tuscaloosa for three years and, you know, originally go to Tuscaloosa as a humongous fish and then you just kind of sit around for three years – you're coming in here, and you got a chance to be the guy. You know, you got a chance in Mike Leach's first air raid Mississippi State offense to be the guy. Boy, yeah. You want to talk about a, a dude that's probably going to come in hungry? Yeah, you got to think. You'd figure, and, and, and then like like you just said, and like I said, you know, forty five minutes ago, you start bumping down Mitchell and and, and Heath and Javante Payton's now competing to be your fourth or fifth receiver instead yeah. of your, you know, third or fourth, you start to, you know, get start, a little... Start feeling a little better. Yeah. You know, we everything we talked about yesterday, those crazy numbers, well, I mean, Shavers is a guy that coming into his college career you thought would put up those kind of numbers at Alabama. And, you know, had he not had the misfortune, he's a guy that really should have looked at who else was signing, to be totally honest. <laughs> he's, he might be... He legitimately might be an incredible wide receiver. Well, when but he's behind four first rounders. True, what can you do? But, but when you're ranked as high as he was coming out of high school, yeah, you, you don't, don't think anybody can beat you. Right, right. I didn't look, but I would be willing to bet. Those, those are the three guys who were ahead of him. They got so basically without looking. I don't know what they were ranked, but Alabama in one signing class got four of the top twelve wide receivers in the country. That that, for lack of a better word, is strong. Speaking of strong. <laughs> MSU picked up another commitment on uh, on uh, Monday, uh, one that sort of had been in the works. This was a guy that I think had uh, you had seen some some tweets that made you think there were a commitment was coming, but this has been two weeks to wait. But I guess the wait made it worth the while. Navante K. Strong, inside linebacker from Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, rated as the number one inside linebacker in the country in the JUCO ranks by twenty four seven. Which full, full disclosure, we we got a lot of full disclosure here in this segment. Uh, JUCO rankings are not – they're a little they're a little spotty over at 24-7 right now. They only have 10 prospects ranked. Uh, but that said, we'll see, you know, see how he ends up by the end of the season. But that said, uh, a position to need. State, need you know, State needs a big, thumping middle linebacker. You know, you look at next year, you have Tyrus Reed as a senior. Uh, Brule, Watson, those guys will be juniors at that point. Jet Johnson will be a junior at that point. Um, you've got uh, Rodney Gross, who should redshirt this year but might not. Uh, so you, you need you need another guy in there for some class balance, yep. basically. Uh, big kid, six foot two, one, two hundred and thirty pounds. I mean, he just looks like he looks like a typical SEC middle linebacker. Uh, we'll see how he fits in. I guess he'll be right in the middle of that three three five scheme for Mississippi State. Um, three star player, eighty six point. I'm sorry, point eight six two eight. I, I don't know how they do the math. Not even gonna. I'm not even gonna delve into that world. But that makes him states. Uh, Fifth highest rated commitment. State's recruiting class, it's going to be uh, better than any Mike Leach class may have ever been. But it's not going to be great because there's only four four-star kids in the state this year. You know, there's just not a big 
uh, percentage of, of Mississippi kids with four stars at this time. Now that could change, you know. But as we're sitting, because you know, there's no camps. Yeah. But right now, there's only four four star kids in the whole state. I'm sorry, five five four star kids in the whole state. Two of them are already committed out of state, and that's uh, De- Deion Smith and Luke Altmyer. Uh, two of them are 100% crystal ball to Ole Miss, Isaiah Brevard and Antonio Harmon. Don't know if that's going to hold, but right now, Brevard released a top six a few weeks ago and did not have Mississippi State in it. And then you have Ty Keyes, who you talked to a few weeks ago, who I feel like Mississippi State is is in it for, but they already have two quarterbacks, so it's a question of do they want to push Daniel Greek out and bring Ty Keyes in. Does Ty Keyes want to be a second quarterback? I don't know, but those are the only four-star kids in the class. Yeah, and I don't even know because, you know, I talked to Daniel Greek last week too. Yeah. I mean, it certainly sounds like the staff loves Daniel Greek. So yeah. I, I can't – look, I, I'm not the recruiting expert that some of these other guys on the beat right. are. I don't claim to be. But talking to him and, and some of the conversations he's had with this staff or that he says he's had with this staff and things, it doesn't really sound like to me a guy that they would push out. But that's just my two cents. I guess if Taki's – Goes out and has a humongous senior year. It may get to the point where you just you change your mind, but right, <laughs> it doesn't sound like that's a situation that's going to happen. But not to get off the yeah. point, but you're you're right. I mean, it's this just is, it's, you know normally for Mississippi State to have a, a highly rated recruiting class, they need to get a lot of in-state prospects, and they need to have some four-star. And they're just not they're just not that normal. The, the class of 2019 is forever going to skew people. When you had what 15 four-star players in the state, that's that was a generational thing. Yeah, you know, it's just not going to be that way very often. Um, and not that state can't end up, you know, I think I think state will end up getting, uh, you know, you look at the the bottom half of the top ten. They could easily get MJ Daniels, who just decommitted from Ole Miss. Kadarius Callery already committed. Canarius Johnson is a kid who they they is a hundred percent crystal ball to state. Uh, to high school teammate of Charles Cross. Uh, Brandon Buckhalter already committed to Mississippi State. Another kid you talked to recently. The number ten kid is a kid out of my hometown who I've never heard of. I need to find out some more. Marvin Martin, safety out of uh, Vicksburg, Mississippi, Vicksburg High School. Go Gators! Um, but state, so state could clean up and get six through ten. They could get five through ten if they get Ty Keys. But those kids are all three star kids outside of Keys. So I don't think it's going to be the highly rated class, but it could be at the same time better class than Mike Leach has ever signed. Yeah, and you know I think he just sort of builds from there. Uh, State did lose a commitment on uh, on Monday. Defensive end Thomas uh, Davis uh, opened his recruitment back up. I think the tea leaves for him are reading. Uh, you know, he's also he's also listed as a linebacker too. Like if you go to another page on twenty four seven, he's a linebacker. So right. Anyway. Right. Don't, don't really know which. I guess in this in a three three five, he could have been on. You he know, could, he could play either way. Yes. Yeah. So a kid that you know, I think the coaches liked what they saw from him on film. They thought he had, he projected well. He had a big frame that they, you know, if they wanted to add weight to him and make him a defensive end, they could. Uh, but you know, always hard to hold out of state commitments, especially when kids start getting offers. I think you made the comment in our first segment that you know, state was his first big SEC offer. You know, maybe he jumped on it a little too soon. Whatever, we'll see how it pans out for him. But that said, you know, not to, I don't want to sound like a homer, but he's the 56th rated defensive end in the country. The 65th rated defensive end in the country is at Louisville High School, and probably will end up committing to Mississippi State. It feels like it's it's, it's not a, <laughs> like it's a huge wash. challenge. It's a wash. It's not a huge yeah. challenge to replace that guy. So, but good luck to him. We'll see what happens uh, for for him. But Shavers is obviously the big news for Mississippi State. He adds an immediate impact. I mean. I'll say this. If he doesn't come in and perform well, I will never believe a receiver's going to do anything at Mississippi State because he's got the pedigree. 
He spent the last two years, you know, at the bet working with, with at Alabama. It just doesn't make sense for him not to be good. He was just behind. There's no shame in being behind four first round guys and not being able to get on the field. No, you know, it would be no different that if State had had, you know, Preston Smith, J- Jeff Simmons, uh, Chris Jones, and, and Fletcher Cox all on the same team. That doesn't mean Pernell McPhee's not any good. It just means that he's behind those guys. Yep, so that Alabama to Mississippi State pipeline continues. continues Lashley and now Shavers. We just need two would have come back to college. <laughs> Redshirt this year. And then to play next year. Sorry to the Dolphins, but when those need, that needs to happen. So we'll see if we can make it work. All right. Uh, so, yeah, recruiting. Uh, a good day for Mississippi State on the recruiting trail. All right. Let's uh, move on over to our second SEC preview of the uh, the offseason. And that is the Georgia Bulldogs, and that's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. I put my order in today for those big beef back ribs I'm going to be smoking up this weekend. You need to go ahead and do the same. Ribs, brisket, whatever you want to put on the grill, they got, they've, got, they've got you taken care of. You want to put some steaks out on the grill. You just want to do some burgers. If you're going to do burgers, great. But do the best burgers. Do the burgers made from locally sourced grass-fed beef. That's going to be the best burger you've ever had, the juiciest burger you've ever had. Don't don't waste your time going to the grocery store where they may or may not have the meat you're looking for. Deal with your friends over at Welcome Home Beef. They'll get you taken care of. Just call them at 662-418-2021 or go to facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef and put in your order today for whatever beef product you're looking for. And they've still got those great pork products as well. Chops, bacon. You can get the slab bacon if you want. You want to do some bacon burn-ins, which is going to be coming pretty soon to the Haydad household. Did the pork belly? The bacon is next. So we got a lot to work with here. Welcome Home Beef can make you the hero of the grill community and at your house. So call them today, 662-418-2021. Or go online to facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef. Whatever you get, know one thing for sure. It just tastes good. That's a, that's 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 the truest thing you ever said, Joel Coleman. Before Joel and I give you our picks on the Georgia Bulldogs and our thoughts on them, let's talk to somebody who knows a lot more than us. I caught up with Jake Rowe, who works for, uh, you know, I don't know the name of their site. I feel like I, I kept, I, on, the, on the interview, I kept saying he's with 24-7 Sports, but I was like, what's the name of the site, Brian? You don't know. Dogs 24-7. Pretty simple. That's D-A-W-G-S as well. So Jake Rowe covers the uh, the Bulldogs for 24-7 Sports. I caught up with him earlier today to talk about uh, the kings of the SEC East. Can they be the kings of the SEC this season? Let's hear what Jake has to say. Our second week of SEC predictions and previews here on Thunder and Lightning. Joining me now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline is Jake Rowe, covers the Bulldogs, the other Bulldogs, uh, for 24-7 Sports. Jake, Let's start with the, the most obvious question. You know, we all thought it was going to be the Jamie Newman show over there now, but JT Daniels has arrived. Is there any indication that he'll be eligible this season? And if there is, if he is eligible, what's that situation going to look like? Will there be a quarterback battle? Who comes out on top? Yeah, Daniels hasn't technically arrived yet, but at the end of the day, you never know whether a quarterback is going to get a, a, a waiver or not. I mean, it's, you know, there there are some guys. It seems like quarterbacks are are a little more likely than, than others. Uh, I think they feel like they've got a case. Uh, they've got something that they can work off of there for him to be eligible right away. But until then, you never know. And even then, Newman is just kind of he's just ahead of the game there. I mean, he, he's older. He, uh, he's been on campus a little longer, and I know they, they didn't really go through spring practice, but he has Todd Munkin 
playbook, you know, going on, you know, seven or eight, six, seven months now. And then ultimately he had a chance to go through some of those uh, pre-spring walkthroughs. So he's uh, he, he's ahead of the game as far as that goes. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Daniels is uh, able to play right away, if, if he's going to be uh, if he's going to be able to make up that ground and, and kind of jump into that role because he is a pro-style passer. Jamie Newman's a pro-style passer. But Jamie Newman has that element of, uh, of mobility there that, you know, you know, obviously JT Daniels is coming off a serious knee injury. So there's a lot of issues at play there, but it all starts with, with Daniels being able to play right away, and we'll see if that happens. Do you feel that with, with Newman this offense can be more explosive? It's, it's always been a very pro style, like you said, and, and they've always been able to, to grind it out on the ground. But does he give them a little bit more of big playability? Maybe. Uh, you know, 2017-2018, I mean, Georgia was – nine over nine yards per pass attempt. They were mm-hmm. pretty explosive in the passing game because of the run game, because they were able to kind of work off of it. Teams had to play so near the line of scrimmage to, to kind of keep the Nick Chubbs and Sony Michelle, DeAndre Swift, Elijah Holyfield at bay. But but I think now it's going to have similar uh, capability in that regard because you can't take the chance on giving Georgia a numbers advantage in the box because of Newman's ability to, with the design run. I mean, he can really gash you there. He's a power running threat, and, and you know we talked to Greg McElroy here recently, and Greg was trying to you know make it seem like Newman was a throw first guy. And I think that's true, but I also think he's very willing to run, and uh, and I think he kind of evens out some of the box issues they've had, and I think he can help make Georgia a little more explosive in the run game. But when it comes to the pass game, I think it's it's going to be you know tough to tell right away because of the layoff, because of the missed spring practice, and because of the fact that. Georgia's still trying to prove itself at receivers. Got George Pickens there, but Dominic Blaylock's coming off a knee injury. You know, Demetrius Robertson hasn't lived up to the hype thus far. It'll be really interesting to see where Georgia is in terms of the passing game early on in the season. Well, you listed four great tailbacks for Georgia, and Georgia replacing four and five star tailbacks is just like the sun rising. That happens seemingly every day. Who's the next guy for Georgia in line to carry the football this year? Well, it's not as clear-cut as it's been the last few years, but you, you point to Zamir White. You know, he's a guy that looked really good there against Baylor in that uh, in that um, uh, Sugar Bowl. I mean, he ran the ball really well. He, he ran with some vision, with some, you know, with some quickness. He's he's now going to be two years removed from uh, from his second ACL tear. I mean, he had two ACL tears on each, one on each knee, oh. in about a month, ten month span, and, and so that that's something that you knew was going to affect him early on, but. He had his moment there, there in 2019, and I think he, I think that the best version of him is still yet to come, and we'll kind of see if he can get back to that form that, that ranked him the number one running back in the country coming out of high school. Kenny McIntosh did some good things for Georgia last year. He only had 25 carries, but had Georgia's longest run of the season, a 64-yarder against uh, against uh, Arkansas State. And James Cooks, obviously a really talented back. His issue's been staying healthy. You know, we found out after the season that he was dinged up for, for most, if not all, of the year. And then they got another big time back in the in the 2020 class in Kendall Milton, the guy that enrolled early. Obviously, they get spring drills, as we brought up already. But but he's a big 6'2", 225-pound, 230-pound bruiser who's really light on his feet. And I like his game a lot. I mean, I think he's the type of guy that can that can kind of give defenses trouble. So, you know, those four are the ones I'm looking at with Zemir White having the best chance. To, to win that feature back role. Who replaces Andrew Thomas at a left tackle? Well, you know, Jamari Sawyer's in the mix. He's a guy that was the number 10 offensive guard in the 2018 class. He's yeah. definitely going to play tackle for Georgia. Don't know if it's going to be left or, or right. 
Georgia's got a couple of guys, a couple of four-stars they recruited in the 2019 class, and Xavier Trust and Warren McClendon are going to have a chance to win that job. I also think that they've got a couple, couple, two or three freshmen, maybe even four freshmen that can buy for that spot coming in. Uh, you know, they found one of the best offensive tackles in the country in Broderick Jones, a 6'5", you know, 305, 310-pound guy out of Lithonia, Georgia, who's just a prototype. I mean, he is he is as well put together as any lineman you'll find. And, uh, you know, obviously it's tough to start as a freshman, but, you know, Alabama made a playoff in 2014 doing it. Georgia made a playoff in 2017 doing it. We'll see if somebody can do it there. But Jamari Sarger is going to be replace one of those first-round tackles, whether it's Thomas or whether it's Isaiah Wilson. And then there, there's a long line of guys that are going to compete and, and duke it out. But, but it's got to be considered a concern for Georgia a little bit because when you look at those tackle, tackle positions, Georgia has two returning starts, both belong to Jamari Sawyer, and that's it. Uh, that can be scary, especially when you talk about new quarterback. You got to build up that familiarity. Defensively, I looked at your uh, your your depth chart that you did back in obviously back in January. But you know the thing that stuck out to me was a lot of experience coming back, especially on on the back end of that defense. How, how you know Kirby Smart, defensive head coach, he's always recruited well there. How good can this defense be for uh, for Smart this season? It can be tremendous. I mean, you, you look at the, Georgia led the nation in scoring defense at twelve point six points a game last year. They had one player drafted, and yeah. he was the last pick of the entire draft. One defensive player drafted. Georgia played anywhere from 24 to 26 guys consistently on defense last year. At least 20 of those are back. Uh, you know, you look at the linebacking core. They had they played 10 linebackers in different roles last year. They got nine of them coming back. Uh, you know, the defensive line lost some contributors, but not in, not really outside of Tyler Clark. None of its major playmakers. You got some guys coming of age at that position with Trayvon Walker. Most of Georgia's NFL caliber talent, first round talent, in, in on last year's defense was in that freshman and sophomore class. And so that's what gives you a lot of reason to think that Georgia's going to be really, really good on defense, really dynamic. This may be the season that Georgia's able to kind of cause some havoc and, and you know raise its sack total and tackle for a loss total, maybe create some more turnovers. Uh, you know, but but the only place a depth chart really matters for the defense is in the back half, is in the at the safety positions where they don't substitute, and at cornerback where they basically use a three-man rotation. Because at linebacker and defensive line, Georgia plays a lot of different guys and a lot of different packages and a lot of different roles, and uh, that's what keeps everybody fresh. But they're they're really deep and they're really talented on defense. And the numbers may not end up showing it, but Georgia's going to be more talented on defense this year than they were last year. Obviously, every game's tough in the SEC, but you know, you look at Georgia's schedule. The two games that stand out, obviously, are the Alabama and, and the Florida game. You know, hasn't had any success against Alabama, but he hasn't lost to, to Florida since he's been there as Kirby Smart. You know, if they go one and one in those games, is that going to be enough to you know win the East and get get a rematch possibly with Alabama in, in the SEC championship game? I would imagine so. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough. It all depends on really what Florida does because. If Georgia beats Florida, I think Georgia's in the SEC championship game. And, and I like Georgia to beat Florida early returns. I mean, last year I didn't really buy into the Florida hype and, and because mainly because I didn't really think Felipe Franks was the guy. Mm. Well, he ended up not being the guy after getting hurt and Kyle Trask took over, and they ended up being a pretty good football team. They looked really bad early in the year. I think Kyle Trask is a good quarterback. I think he's what they need. I think he's what they needed last year. I'm more worried about what they lose on defense. And, mm. and you know, they Jonathan Grenard and – and uh, Jabari Zuniga and, and, and you know, C.J. Henderson. I mean, they, they lost serious talent 
on the defensive side of the ball. And then they lost some serious talent on the offensive side of the ball with Michael P. Ryan and, and those receivers. I think they'll be able to make up for that. But, uh, you know, ultimately I think Georgia's got to win the Florida game to, to get in the SEC championship game. You can't afford to give up that tiebreaker. So, yeah, if Georgia goes 1-1 one and one and loses to Alabama, sure. If they go 1-1 one and one and lose to Florida, it's a little bit of a toss-up. It all depends on they're going to need some help. So yeah, I think that if Georgia beats Alabama early in the year at Alabama, I would have a hard time picking against them in Jacksonville, that's for sure. Sort of a big-picture question to finish this up here. You know, you look at Kirby Smart, and obviously been very successful at Georgia, got them to a national championship game, has played in, what, three straight SEC championship games and won an SEC title. But hasn't you know taken that final step to to be a national champion? What is his situation there? Is is this a year where that they they can jump and be the national champion? Is it still a building process? You know, I'm not saying Kirby Smart's on the hot seat. That would be foolish to say. But is there a, an air of are we ever going to take that next step, that final step at Georgia right now? Not not really. I, I don't think so. I, I don't think there's. A, I mean, obviously there's some angst in the fan base since 1980 since they've. You've gotten there, and they've had some really awful things happen in terms of you know getting stopped at the you know three yard line in 2012, and you know losing to Florida in 2002, and they're not being a playoff or they would have been in it, and and uh, you know 2017 obviously second and 26 that was tough, and you know so there, there is some angst, but I don't think there's any really concern that that at this point that Kirby's going to be able to get George where it wants to go. I think everybody has a confidence about that happening. Some people are going to have to see it to believe it, and I completely understand that. But the way Georgia's recruited, the way Georgia's been in the hunt every single year, you know, when, when you've got Nick Saban in the SEC, and, and then when you've got you know, teams being able to put up pop-up style uh, style seasons like LSU did, like Auburn did, and I know Auburn did it back in 2010, but you, you're just going to have to keep knocking on the door. You just got to keep beating on that door until it flies open, and then. You know, then you break through. But Georgia's recruiting under Kirby Smart has gotten it to the point where it can do that. I do think this team can be very, very good. I think it's going to have to weather an early storm with everything it lost on offense and all the all the reps it missed with spring practice. But I think if that offense can gel as the season goes on, the defense can hold the line and give this team, this team a chance to come together late and, and, and maybe peak at the right time. I tend to agree with you on that. I think Georgia will be back in the SEC championship game, and and they'll just sort of figure it out from there. Jake Rowe from 24-7 Sports, man. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. You got it, bud. Take care. All right. Thanks to Jake for his time. We appreciate that. I think you and I both agree, Joel, that this is going to be the team to beat in the SEC East. I like them more than I like Florida, right off the top of my head. I do, but I wonder how much that's just the last two or three years I've been conditioned to think that. Well, I mean – Honestly, I think my my answer to this question is more about what I know of Dan Mullen than anything else. Dan Mullen just doesn't beat Kirby Smart and he doesn't beat Nick Saban. It's just how life is. So, you know, until I see it happen, I'm not going to believe it. You know, he is at since he since he left Florida as, you know, since he was a head coach at Mississippi State, he's never beaten Nick Saban and he's now 0 3 against Kirby Smart. And I know, you know, it's because, well, those teams were so much more talented. Well, newsflash, Georgia's more talented than Florida is right now. And they're probably going to stay that way because Smart is an elite recruiter and Mullen is not. Simple as that. Georgia has a very interesting schedule. Their first three weeks sort of, you know, really sort of set a tone for their season. Uh, They start the season on the road uh, at Virginia. Virginia, you know, was in the ACC championship game a year ago. 
I guess Keaton Thompson might be the starting quarterback uh, in that game for them. What do you think? Any chance for an upset there? Or are we just gonna are we just gonna write that one off for the uh, the dogs? I, I mean, I think that's Georgia. I, I do too. I, I don't I don't feel an upset there. No, nah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I, but it could be a, a close game. I'm interested to see what Georgia looks like. New quarterback, you know, they they they, they have four and five star talent all over the place. But you know, new quarterback, new left tackle. You know, Zamir White, as you heard Jake say, is, has fought through some injuries in his time there. So, you know, what's he going to do? I think Georgia wins wins pretty easily, but we'll see. East Tennessee State goes to Sanford Stadium. We didn't talk about uh, this, but that's uh, all now an MSU yeah, schedule in 2021, uh, replacing Northwestern State. Do we do we ever get an idea of why that happened? I don't want to. I'm not too interested in no. digging too deep because it's not that important. But I mean, I it's weird. I mean. Full disclosure here, I haven't asked. I haven't asked either because I don't care that much. I, don't, I feel like it's really sort of a – it's a story that's a non-story, if it makes sense. Yeah. You know, they, they, they replaced – the only I thought that they might be replacing them with, like, Jackson State or something. Maybe they thought they had a better deal, but whatever. But we'll both take the, the Bulldogs of Georgia to win this game in 2020. Yes. So, And then week three, Georgia will travel to Alabama. What an unbelievable early season matchup. Uh State Tulane that day, is that correct? That's the third week of the season. Yeah. Sounds right. So I'm going to be – I hate I hate to tell you guys this, but I'm going to be pulling for 11 a.m. kickoff because you know darn well this is this will, this will might be CBS's primetime game. Looking to see if that is the Tulane game. Uh, September 26th? No, the 19th. That's Arkansas at Arkansas. State. 11 a.m. Because <laughs> uh, this – you know they only get the one uh, for sure primetime game, and I, I, this this could be it. And the only other real option for me is Alabama LSU. So and that could that could overlap with the Masters. I'm not sure yet with the fall Masters coming. So we get a a and what is in my opinion this is a preview of the SEC championship game. I think that both of these teams will play each other again, and I honestly I think that Alabama will win this game and they won't lose, and Georgia will not lose other than this game. So, but I'm going to take Alabama to win. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100. percent All right, La Monroe heads to Georgia. We'll take the uh, the Bulldogs there. Vanderbilt the same, and then the Deep South's oldest rivalry gets moved around. This, this new look schedule for yeah. everybody as Auburn will travel between the hedges on the 10th of uh, of October. That's normally you know played later in November. Usually the weekend state plays Alabama, which coincidentally is that is that the same day with State Alabama on the 10th. Ah, uh, let me click one tab over. On the 10th. Uh, State is off that day. Okay. So it's, it's the next weekend they play Alabama? Or? Yes, they play Alabama on the 17th. Okay. But yeah, th- th- this is part of that, you know, the, they move some games out of November and, and into October for whatever reason. Uh, I like Georgia to win this game. You know, I'm not, I'm, you guys know I'm not big on Auburn. I never am. Um, but I'll take I'll take the Bulldogs to win. Yeah. I, I'm Maybe I've been around you too long, but I have the same opinion of Auburn. I just... I don't know that they're going to be good, and even if they are, going into uh, Athens, heck of a task. So, yeah we'll, yeah, we'll stick with Georgia. All right. Georgia goes to Missouri on the 17th. I believe that's a win for the Bulldogs. Uh, and then they have the off week, and then it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville. On Halloween night. Halloween. Well, it'll be Halloween afternoon. That's, you know that's locked oh, that's in at right. 2.30. That's right. Uh, I, I just don't think Florida has the horses to compete with Georgia right now. Tight game last year. Wasn't it went like 24 or something? It was tight, but at the end of the day, Georgia, Georgia's just better. Georgia is just better than Florida right now. 
I think Mullen might be a better coach than Kirby Smart, especially. But this is a matchup. You tell me if you think differently, but this is two coaches that pucker up in big games a lot of times. Yeah, and this is so. So I'm going to go with the players on this. This is the de facto East Championship game. It is 100. percent This is the game. I can't go against Georgia. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Bulldogs. No question. Uh, Georgia at South Carolina. Well, this might be Will Muschamp's last game or close to it. Both take the Bulldogs there. Tennessee, Georgia. This is a game, again, that's normally late September, early October. It's now uh, in late no- or mid-November. Tennessee could be pretty good, but I think Georgia is better. Uh, you know, maybe maybe another year before Tennessee is ready to, to step into the the heavyweight fights with Florida and Georgia, but I'll take the Bulldogs this time around. You still with me? Yeah, I, right. I, I will speak up if I disagree. Right. Georgia, at I don't Ke- think I'm going to disagree. Georgia at Kentucky. I don't think Kentucky's still in the race, but they could they could play spoiler at this point. But I, I think the Bulldogs still have enough. Didn't those two play? In a game where if Kentucky yeah. won, they would have won the East back a couple I don't know, years ago. I don't know if they would have won the East, but they would have been in first in the East after the game. Yeah. But Georgia won. So. Yeah. And then one of my favorite rivalry day games, because uh, it has the best name in my opinion, clean, old-fashioned hate. Yeah. Swag Georgia. Chalice. Swag, Swag Chalice. chalice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Coach Collins will eventually get that program going, but I, he's not in Georgia's ballpark right does he now. Still, does he still do the swag chalice thing? I believe he still has the swag chalice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. How are you going to let that go? Yeah, that's, 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 that's gold. Your, that's your, your brand. You stick with your gimmick. Yeah. So we'll take the Georgia Bulldogs. So 11 and 1. 11 and 1. 11 and 1, headed to the SEC championship game for a rematch with Alabama, is how I see things. I'm not as confident in that, though. As I, I, I am very confident. You are? Yeah. I, I, I just don't think. I don't trust again. I don't trust Dan Mullen to win big games. Why should I? I got plenty of experience that shows the opposite. How would a Dan Mullen SEC championship game versus Nick Saban? Who's who's MSU fans rooting for in that? <laughs> if, if it's Florida Bama, I think they would root for Mullen uh, root against Mullen in all instances except Ole Miss. Now, Mullen comes to Florida, comes to Ole Miss this year. Yeah. State fans will root for Mullen in that one. When do you think that will stop? Do they have to retire? <sighs> There's not a good example. Yeah. Like, I'm trying, I mean, do, don't LSU fans still hate Saban? But, I mean, he, they play him every year, I guess. But My thing is, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe my, my, maybe my hand has been off the pulse too long, but I feel like that the Mullen hate – as the months go by, get le- it gets less and less. I agree with that, but at the same time, like I said, with look at LSU and Saban. Right now, Saban left to go to the NFL. I think he was pretty honest about what's going on, and I think he felt like LSU fans had sort of turned on him at that point. State fans had not turned on Dan Mullen, and he left. You know, and he and he was sort of dishonest and not, not really dishonest, but he was misleading about some of the stuff he did. So. It's just I think it's a little different, but LSU fans still hate him. Now, part of that is because Alabama has kept LSU from winning a lot. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I think if if Nick Saban was at Ohio State and they they didn't play, he, they would still hate him. Yeah. So I think that's just me. All right, eleven and one. That's your SEC East champions. Who are we talking about next week from the West? Ah, uh, can't be State, can't be Ole Miss, right? Right, and then we've done LSU. We've done LSU. So Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas, A&M. Arkansas intrigues me. <laughs> Do they? L- l- let's see if they can win more than, what, 
two. I'm just going to tell you right now. I've I've seen Arkansas schedule. Two is a good number. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll next talk week. about it next week. All right, the Hogs next week. We'll call the Hogs here on Thunder and Lightning. All right, tomorrow I got we got a fun I got a fun rumblings theme. I feel like you know next week is our first opponent preview. We're going to talk about the Ole Miss Rebels, but let's get a jump on that. It's Egg Bowl rumblings. <laughs> Egg Bowl in June. Oh man, we are going to be here for two hours. And here's what I want. This. Now look, if you guys are just ugly, you know I, I don't want that. But if you got some funny story that you know that paints Ole Miss in a bad light, I'll take it. If you got, it's got to be funny though. I don't want to hear about you know you got into a fight. I don't. I don't care. But if you got a funny story, we'll we'll read them on on air. And you know, we will protect names to protect the innocent, <laughs> if, if or the guilty, if need be. So Egg Bowl in June. Let's talk about the Rebels and the Bulldogs, and uh, you know, get some early some early thoughts. Get some talk about last year's Egg Bowl and you know, scenarios of how it could have played out differently, and what does that mean for those two teams today? I don't know. Whatever you guys want to talk about, if it's Egg Bowl related, Joel and I will die. We will dive into the toxic waste of the Egg Bowl rivalry on tomorrow's edition of The Rumblings. And that's that. Talk to you guys tomorrow. For Joel T. Coleman, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.